listening to the North Avenue Show, a podcast devoted to sharing the stories of some top entrepreneurs and marketing directors. I'm Andrew Curtin, and I'm sitting down with top executives to talk about their process, lessons learned, and how to make an impact. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the North Avenue Show. Today, Liam O'Keefe, brand director of Bleecker Burger, is on the line. Bleecker Burger is an independently owned burger chain that has locations in some of London's most desirable locations. Liam, thanks for calling in. No problem, Andrew. Thanks for having me. So, Liam, what is Bleecker Burger and what is your role at the company? Yeah, so Bleecker Burger is a small independent burger chain. I guess we've got three locations. Uh, started in 2012 by a former corporate lawyer, Zan Kaufman, who is born and bred in America. Uh, she moved over here, I think in 2011, and then bought a van in 2012, converted it into a food truck, and then started roaming around London, serving people like Friday lunch, Thursday nights, etc. And around the same time, I, for some unknown reason now, started a burger blog, then became acquaintances, then became friends, and then in like six years ago in 2013, August 2013, I came on board to take over some social media, and then that grew and grew and grew, and then I left my previous role and joined full-time at Bleecker, where I'm now a brand director, um, overseeing all of the marketing we do and some other odds and sods, but primarily just the brand and marketing now. And I guess, Liam, London has a very competitive burger market with a lot of new entrants coming into that market. So what separates you guys from the rest? Um, I think for us, I had this question yesterday actually from someone, and I think it's what we want to be is the place that people go for a burger primarily. So they're going to get, hopefully, the best burger they've ever had with us. We just carry on focusing on our short-focused menu. We should be fine, whereas some of our competitors have grown into more of a casual dining environment where maybe the whole family can come and the the menu will cater for everyone. We are just about the best burger. So it's kind of nearly like a one-item menu. It's all about the burger as such. We have we have a, a burger, fries, shakes, and beer, and that's it. So we can we can give all our focus on that. Like we don't run specials in sites ever. It's just around how can we execute every day the best we can. And with that American heritage, you have it looks like you are bringing that American theme to London. It, it, and I think like America's obviously huge, um, and it's very different. Wherever you go, like America has a lot of regional burgers. So like New York's known for the classic steakhouse burgers, where it's just bread, meat, cheese, which is basically what we are. Um, then you get over into the middle and they have more of a smashed patty and like onion fried patties. And then you get over to the West Coast and there'll be more of a topping based burger where you can get guacamole or avocado on a burger, which you wouldn't see anywhere else in America. So it's really regional. So yeah, our founders from New York and the vision was around initially around like a steakhouse quality burger streaks or in a fast environment. And Liam, just moving on, I noticed a small bit with burger companies, they all seem to be promoting grass fed beef when advertising their products. Do you think this advertising concept is becoming a small bit saturated? Yeah, I think so definitely when I say when we started or joined a bit later on, so Bleak and Never never spoke about that. 
Um, and I think like if you look at say Shake Shack in America, there it's a lot. I think they need to talk about their beef in America a lot more, so that you'll see like hormone-free and non-GMO. You'll see all those words a lot more. Um, but I think when especially when Zan started, everyone that was good. Like the, the select few were all saying about their grass-fed beef. Um, so I think we all, Zan and I thought at the time, we don't really need to talk about that. People aren't that interested about it being grass-fed. All they're interested in is, is this the best burger it can be? Fast forward like five, six, seven years, I think, it, I think it's harder for people to do now because of the way the industry is going. So obviously the market's a lot more competitive than it was in 2012 in terms of properties and Brexit and et cetera, et cetera. So I think, I think like the grass-fed beef for us is now becoming something that we're going to talk about for the first time because these little things that we do, like having a free-range egg in our bun, whilst they might not appeal to the masses, it's something that we we care about, concerned about. So we should be letting people know about our suppliers because it's such a short menu we have. We can tell them about where this meat actually comes from because we see the farms, we know the bakers, we know the farmers that we get the um, potatoes from. So for us, it's something that we can have that's really genuine. So we, we should be talking about it. And Liam, I can see... Your locations are outside Bank Station, Liverpool Street, Victoria Station, stations that have very, very high footfall and are possibly London's busiest underground stations. Could you tell us a bit about the challenges involved with this and as well as the advantages with it? Yeah, so I think Tablika started on the streets with a truck that is very small. So from day one, Bleak has been around high footfall in small shops like so the, the the truck's very small and i think we've adapted that and are still adapting that as we've slowly grown so we can we can work in environments that other operators can't so we can get these small sites that others wouldn't be interested in so things like we don't need a freezer because all our stuff's prepped on site so that's a little bit less space we need um so so the truck was always at busy events and things like that so for us we know that we can operate in those busy areas so busy areas, small restaurants, they're like ideal for us. Challenges for that are that we was in Canary Wharf a few years ago. We was outside in a shipping container, which it was hard for the team and then also for customers as well because they wouldn't want to hang around in the winter months outside in Canary Wharf. On the flip side, people all want to come on Friday lunch to get their bleaker. So we had a challenge to operate in the quiet times versus the busy times so we can we can definitely like we try and serve all our customers with their food in seven minutes we don't have much con- yeah we don't have much control and we cook to order as well so we don't have much control over our queue like i know victoria at night gets hit hard by like people coming home from work but we're i think we're for, for what we do considering we cook to order the speed that like, our operations team get us cooking to with the main focus being on quality is amazing yeah, it's definitely part of the strategy for Bleaker to be in small busy sites Realistically speaking Liam we are in some of London's most valuable real estate locations next to them big underground stations and I'm sure it does have some effect on businesses profitability being located there um, could you tell tell us a bit about the implications of 
being located there and maybe some city laws that does affect you? Some of those, some of the spots we have aren't the most rent expensive. Like we, like we're constantly looking at other sites, like say Soho, like around London Bridge, um, and like the premiums and rents that those places require are out of our reach. But I think for landlords that are building new like, hubs, like our Bloomberg site, they needed an independent burger restaurant in there. There's not many independent places around. So for us, it like can work to our advantage. So landlords will want an independent burger place. And then the places with the bigger rents and bigger premiums, you just sort of can't afford as an independent. So I think you have to make a decision whether you're going to stay independent and try and make yourself as attractive to landlords as possible, or are you going to take on investment, take on huge loans, and then take the risk on the high premium, high rent places. But for us, as I said, it's just, we've been quite lucky with clubs. So Bloomberg was an invitation into the into the site. So the rent's very fair. The, there was no premium on the building as well. So as I said, for for us, hopefully we can continue on that scale, hopefully. Definitely, yeah. And it's good to see that you do have reasonable rates. So it allows you to keep proceeding on what you're good at and just keep moving on with your business model. Yeah, it's hard. Like, there's definitely some sites that we've really wanted that we just haven't been able to afford. But um, yeah, for us, it's for look, not knocking people that aren't independent. But for us, it's quite important, especially like for like Zan, the founder, owns nearly the whole company along with like her friends, and I have a small share. But for us, it's it's just really important that we keep it at the moment. Obviously, it could change. Money talks. Um, we're not going to be one of these people that says we, we never sell, but. It's um, yeah, it's, it's really important for us at the moment, especially with the decision making and the fact that like, Zan loves what she does. I love what she does. I love what she. Does. I love what she does. I love what I do. And for us, there's no need for it. And the bigger sites, they'll come eventually. We're not in a in a rush to cash yeah. out. Just from being in your restaurant and from your order online option, Liam, it seems that Bleaker Burger like to serve customers as fast as possible. Would I be right in saying that? It's it's kind of a more of a burger on the move type business model. Would that would I be right in saying that? So I think to so the models like McDonald's really, but we want to. I'm struggling to find anyone that I can compare us to in what we're trying to do. Because we want to be the destination place for a burger in London. We also want to have multiple sites, and then we want to be able to serve customers quick and then have an environment that if they want to stay, they can stay and it will be comfortable. But it's all about giving customers something that they've never had before, which is the best burger in a quick service environment. So I think we're almost trying to create something that hasn't been done before. Um, especially when you look at other it's very hard to like if you went to New York people would say oh you have to go to Cat's Deli say and there's one place and if you went to Naples to get a pizza they would say you need to go to this pizza place they wouldn't be oh you can get them in like four or five places which is where we're growing to so it's a real challenge to be able to keep that consistency and quality and be regarded as one of the best burgers in the world and have multiple sites in the same area but it's exciting and hopefully we're pushing it's just burgers right but hopefully we're pushing boundaries in what can be achieved with product that can be yes, viewed as one of the best in the world 
and as a brand director like yourself it must be quite difficult to try get that message across that you want to be known as the burger spot in London would you agree? Um, it is and it isn't I joined Bleaker because I generally thought it was the best burger I'd ever had and for me I still believe it is so I find it quite easy there are definitely more things that we wouldn't do than we would do for marketing because of that though so I'm continually, most of my job saying no to people internally. It's like, oh, can we do this? Can we do this? But it's how can we stay true to ourselves and still attract new customers? Like I know that if I post a triple or a quadruple patty burger on Instagram, it will get more likes. But that's not who we're about. We're we're trying to be this. We've, so we've sort of, in the last year, we've, we've realized, even more more so than before how important staying true to ourselves is so we have like a model where we we post like on instagram as an example we would post something that's not a burger we would then post a single patty burger and then a double and w- what we're trying to do there is to set customers expectations that we're not the man versus food burger this is a just a just a burger place that the emphasis on is on quality but yeah it is a challenge and people come in and go i I want to get a quadruple burger and we won't serve them that but i think over time as i said this isn't a short-term project that i've been here six years so i think being able to have that consistent voice online especially when responding to customers and me having the faith that when they do come they will get something that they've never had before and it'll be the best burger they've ever had before so I can have a certain confidence in that which I obviously wouldn't be able to have at another burger place so for me it's it's easier and could you tell us Liam where your ingredients come from are they locally produced and what I mean by locally produced are they on the outskirts of London or in the UK or whereabouts really are they produced I think apart from our sweet potatoes I think everything is in England, so the, definitely English farms. Potatoes are from English farms. Uh, the normal potatoes, our buns are baked in North London daily by a Malaysian baker. So yeah, it's still like we know we only have a few ingredients. So we're not one of these restaurants that have hundreds of ingredients. We have like twenty-five ingredients. So it gives us the opportunity to really know our suppliers and our chain. And then we also, like our potatoes come in whole. We don't have frozen fries. Um, we make our own milkshake for our ice cream. So some of the things that would traditionally be from Italy or wherever, we make them ourselves. So it's all around doing, like buying the best ingredients and then executing them to the best they can be. And that traditionally is by wrapping them from start to finish ourselves. And just moving on to more social media and marketing tactics, I notice you have quite a following on your different social media platforms and channels. I just want to know, how do you use that to engage with your customers? Do you guys use it as a kind of a consumer feedback type or what way do you monitor and use it? I'm, I was talking to someone this morning, actually, that because I'm still part of the London food scene as someone that eats out quite a bit. So... For me, if I post a picture on some like a story on Instagram of a restaurant on a Friday and they reply to me on a Monday, uh, it it drives me crazy because one they can't see the story and they usually just give you like a thumbs up. They don't know what you're talking about. So for us, I think we if Bleaker are open, then we're open on social media as well. It comes to it's just me that runs it, so that it it has its challenges. But the 
like people want to be heard and with these we have all these social media platforms and if someone wants to say something to you whether it's good or negative we have a responsibility to respond to them the same way we would in our sites so it's definitely helped us grow but i think the biggest part of it now is the customer service element of it so being able to respond to customers straight away try and fix like the best thing ever is when the customer says they're not happy and we can jump on it when they're in the site and go hey like let the manager know like or me speak to the manager and say hey this person here is not happy i'm lucky that we don't get many of them but it is a great opportunity for us to win back a customer that might have been lost. And just in terms of negative feedback on social media, have you kind of developed a new strategy to deal with it or is it still kind of a tricky one to look after? I said, I generally believe that if we execute, people will be happy. So if we have, if a customer isn't happy, we've done something wrong. And I believe that if you give us another chance, can we, we can, we can prove ourselves better. So it's not an, it's not an arrogance, it's a confidence that, so when, if I see a negative review, which we're like, like I think probably like our average review is things like 4.4 on Google at the moment for one of our sites. So generally speaking, everyone's really happy. I get very few complaints, but the ones that are, I, we must have done something wrong because I have that much confidence in our team and our ingredients and our execution. So give us another chance and we can fix it. And it's great to see customers come back after a negative experience and then come back to me and say hey like you were right which happens more often than not so uh, yeah i'm very very lucky that i can have that confidence i wouldn't have at another restaurant i wouldn't have thought unless they're they said i think we're the best in class we're not every burger isn't the best but most, most of them are the odd time that it isn't if customer complains i think it's a great chance for us to win them back versus if they don't complain we never, we're probably never going to win them back, which I find disappointing. So if you're in a bleaker and you're not happy, let our team know and we will fix it. We have to fix it. So what are next steps for Bleaker Burger? Will you be opening up new franchises across the UK or will it be new restaurants in London? Or what way is it looking? So we have a new site opening in um, Westfield, White City, mid-October. So it, we was approached to pitch for this about a year ago yeah i think about a year ago um and dan and myself were obviously listening because it's westfield this this global company um and then we had the meeting and the vision for what they wanted their food hall to be was so inspiring that it got us really excited so we pitched for this place in their food hall and we we won it and we'll be opening october so it does fit the bleaker model it's high footfall it's a mm-hmm. small site and then the traders that were around are really like so we're next to Pho, the Vietnamese place, and Pizza Pilgrim. So some there's some really high operators that you don't generally see in food halls around around England. So that's the next step. After like, we'll just concentrate on those. So then we'll have four sites. So we'll just concentrate as much as we can on making sure that they're the best, and then we'll look to the fifth but it's it's slow and steady and we don't want to rock any of our our other sites because the the worst thing would i i whenever anyone says oh you can get a good burger at this site but not this site like that's we're not about that we want the same experience everywhere so yeah once we nail the four 
then we'll look to the fifth. But yeah, slow, slow and steady, slow and steady. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that is the issue, I suppose, for restaurants like yourselves, that if you do expand, sometimes food quality can decrease a bit. Um, but it seems that you are taking it slow and you are making sure you're well aligned before you move on to that. Exactly. And so our, our signature burger, which was the bleak black, hasn't been on the menu for, I think it's like two years or a year and a half, um, which has the kind of guilty black pudding in the middle. And the reason for that is we have to go through these new guidelines that the food safety authorities put out in April last year. So we took our signature burger off the menu because we'd much rather be known for the place that used to do that great burger than that burger used to be great. Unless we can execute to the best it can be, we just won't do it. We're not about that. We know our sales would be higher if we had the burger on the menu, but as I said, if, if I heard someone say that, burger used to be great or that restaurant used to be great or bleak used to be great i'd die inside a little bit and finally liam national burger day is coming up on the 22nd of august so what does that day entail for brands so traditionally it's been it was an event run by shortlist and mr hyde who are now no longer in publication so what they did is they wrote to all the burger restaurants in england to sign up to have a 20% off burger. And then there was a party at night in one of the street feasts, which is a London street food scene, one of their markets. So the issue, the, the problem this year is Shortlist and Mr. Hyde are no longer around. So street feasts are still doing their party, but the, the National Burger Day banner has sort of gone. But it was such a great day for us in the past like the excitement it's like our Christmas Eve it's like our New Year's Eve in a way like everyone comes out for their burger of the year so for us it was something that we wasn't willing to let go so I bought a couple of domains a few months ago so we have UKNationalBurgerDay.com because NationalBurgerDay.co.uk still goes through to shortlist so we have UKNationalBurgerDay.com so we will be running our 20% off burgers at all our locations and then we will have a special burger for the night but it is it is a shame it's a, the it, someone else needs to take on the the running of the national burger day 20 percent off because we don't do discounts any other time of the year apart from this one day but like people go mad for it i said it's, it's the new year's eve everyone comes out for their burger so it's great excitement. It's a great opportunity for us to win new customers. And also, it's really exciting for the team, despite it being the busiest day of the year, that we strive in those busy environments. So for us, particularly, it's, it's really, really good. And, and because we have this fast speed takeaway sort of concept, we can uh, we can satisfy more customers as well. So, yeah, it's a, hopefully next year it gets picked up again because it's a shame. At the moment, it seems like, I know Meat Liquor have got a 24-hour license at one of their restaurants, but at the moment I think it's just us and them that are doing anything. But hopefully people get their fingers out and <laughs> get on it because it's a, it's a great day for us. Yeah, hopefully so. Hopefully it's resolved now for this time next year. Um, but yeah, Liam, that brings us to the end of the show. I can't thank you enough for coming on. We really had some interesting insights out of this show. I'm sure our listeners will enjoy our chats about the burger industry and different trends and the history of our company. So I wish you the best of luck. And thanks again, Liam, for coming on. Take care. Thank you very much. Good luck with everything. 